We have all had painful events in our lives that can lead to depression, anxiety, addiction, or broken relationships. But here's a secret. It is not about what happened to us that causes suffering. It's the stories we believe about ourselves. Join us as we shine light on how to rewrite our stories, avoid the shadows of shame, and travel along the pathway to joy, love, and connection. It's the Finding Peace Podcast with your host, Amazon best-selling author, Troy L. Love. I'm standing in the small break room in one of the buildings of our local community college. I'm grabbing a bottle of water and I'm relieved because the presentation that I had just done on helping individuals who self-harm and what to do about that was over. I was silently expressing gratitude that it was finished when the secretary brought in the participant reviews. Have you ever had an experience when you've done a chore, kind of like the laundry or doing the dishes, and you've spent all your time making sure that you got all of the dishes done or all the laundry done? You look around, make sure that everything's good before you, before you pull the drain and let the water out. And then somebody shows up, like your mom, and she brings in a dirty, dried, food-encrusted plate that's she found under your brother's bed and says, here, I found this, you got to do this too. Oh, really? That's what it felt like when the secretary hands me the evaluations. Here are your reviews, she says. I don't want them. I don't like looking at them. I don't want to read them, but I take them anyway. Typically, when I read evaluations, I look for two things. I, I look at the ratings, and there's typically some kind of a Likert scale of 1 to 5 with questions to the extent of how helpful was the content or uh, how much I demonstrated expertise on the subject, and some questions that I don't ever understand because I have no control over it, such as how comfortable was the room temperature. So I, I'm scanning those first just to kind of see how I'm doing. Usually I'm hoping for fours and fives. Occasionally I'll get a three. I'm really hoping I don't get a two or a one. And then after I scan that, then I move down to the bottom, which is usually where the person writes their comments. And a lot of times, most of the people don't usually write anything, or if they do, it's really short. People usually are filling out these evaluations at the end of the presentation. They're done. They want to go home. And so they'll just write things like, good job or thank you. So the evaluations that I'm reading are now following that same tradition, which is good job, good information, this was helpful. But then I read one of the last evaluations in the stack. The scores are ones all the way down the page, including the room temperature question. And my experience has been that sometimes when people are completing the evaluations, they don't actually read the instructions, and they mean to give all fives, but they end up scoring all ones. And in those cases, the comments at the bottom don't usually match the score. They'll usually say things like, this was really helpful, I'm so glad I came to the class, uh, this was awesome, and yet they scored ones all the way down. So either they're being sarcastic, or they didn't read the instructions, it's impossible for me to know. But on this particular evaluation, there are ones all the way down the page. And so I immediately jumped to the comments to see if this person might have been confused. There aren't just a few words, there's a paragraph, and one sentence in particular stands out. I can't believe that this college allowed Troy to present. He is a danger to the mental health profession and should never be allowed to teach again. Oh. It feels like somebody just stabbed a red hot knife into my rejection wound and twisted it hard. 
My negative core beliefs light up like the bat signal in Batman. They read, I am not good enough. I must have done something wrong. And immediately two emotions flare up, fear and anger. There's this fear that maybe I really did or said something that was inappropriate or dangerous. And the second is anger because it feels like this person has just thrown my reputation into the garbage by some anonymous person that I don't even know who didn't have the courage to come and discuss their concerns with me face to face. And so I feel powerless. I feel unsafe. I don't know what to do. What can I do? The words of my professor in my bachelor's degree come to mind, and I'm instantly transported back to another college, my professor's office. She has papers piled all over her desk, so many books on her bookshelves that the wood is starting to bow. We're sitting knee to knee because her office is the size of a postage stamp. And she's just handed me a stack of evaluations written by fellow students who had just watched my final presentation. This is my final presentation for my entire bachelor's degree, so this is kind of a big deal. Each of the evaluations give me positive marks. The comments are positive and encouraging, except for one. One student makes a comment about how I could have done one part of my presentation a little bit better. My professor asks, so what do you think? And I immediately start agreeing with this student's comments. Yeah, the student's right, I should have done better. I, I could have done that differently. Maybe I shouldn't have said this. Maybe I should have left that part out. I could have added here. Oh, why did I do that? I can't believe I did that. That was so bad. I should have done better. Oh my gosh, it's like, this is horrible. And my teacher stops me and, and asks, how many evaluations do you have there? Um, I don't know, like maybe 20. And how many of them were negative? One. Isn't it funny? She said, we have 19 positive, encouraging comments, and you focus on the one negative. I'm always fascinated by how we do that as human beings. I've since learned why we do this. In my book, Finding Peace, I point out how negative core beliefs are written. J.K. Rowling uses a powerful metaphor when, she, when her main character, Harry Potter, is sent to detention by Professor Umbridge because she believes that he is lying. Harry's punishment is that he has to write sentences, he has to write lines. He has to write the words, I will not tell lies, over and over and over again with a magical pen. That as he's writing the words on paper, it's scratching the letters of the sentence into his skin. And so as he's writing it, it's hurting his arm. Harry asks how many times he has to write the sentence, and she says, as many times as it takes to sink in. What she means is that he has to keep writing it over and over and over until the words are permanently engraved into the skin of his arm. It's the same way with negative core beliefs. I'm not good enough. I'm powerless. I'm unsafe. There's nothing I can do. When we experience attachment wounds, like loss, rejection, abandonment, and so on, without loving compassion to guide us through the pain, then the pain will tattoo the negative core belief over and over on our heart until it sinks in those words, I'm not good enough, I'm powerless, I'm unsafe. And so that is what I'm battling right there in that break room as I'm reading the words that I am a danger to the mental health profession. I am battling a negative core belief, one that I have battled since I was a little boy. 
there is something wrong with me, or maybe I've done something wrong and I deserve to be punished. Incidentally, my shadows of shame show up, my judge starts screaming at me, telling me that I was awful, that I'm a horrible person, that I am a danger to society, and that I should never present ever again. My impotent one tells me that I probably will never be asked to ever come speak anywhere ever again because I was so horrible, and my rebel tells me that I should ignore this comment, forget this person who wrote this comment, this person is an idiot who doesn't have the guts to tell me to my face, and... I should just completely write that off and not believe it at all. And honestly, I want to go with the, the rebel. I want to agree with the rebel. I want to reject the comment altogether. I want to say, I don't care what this person thinks. They're a complete idiot. They're stupid. They're dumb. Brene Brown said in her book, Daring Greatly, how the courage to be vulnerable transforms the way we live, love, parent, and lead. When we stop caring about what people think, we lose our capacity for connection. When we become defined by what other people think, we lose our willingness to be vulnerable. If we dismiss all the criticism, we lose out on the important feedback. But if we subject ourselves to the hatefulness, our spirit gets crushed. So it's a tightrope. Shame resilience is the balance bar, and the safety net below is one or two people in our lives who can help us reality check the criticism and the cynicism, and that is what I was struggling with, this tightrope, because I am walking on a tightrope, because part of me does care what this person has said, and part of me wants to reject everything that this person has written. So I'm standing there, reading this evaluation, and I feel like I want to throw up. I feel like I want to just crumple it up and throw it in the garbage. I feel like I just want to run and scream and hide. So I take a deep breath, and I decide to reach out. A colleague of mine, a friend of mine, is in the office next door, and so I go to her office and I ask her to read the comment. And she's surprised. Is it true? I ask her. Am I a danger to the mental health profession? She assures me that I'm not. She reminds me that she's worked with me for several years and has never found me to say anything harmful or destructive in any way. It helps pull the knife out of my wound, but I'm still bleeding and it still hurts. And I realize I have to answer this question for myself. Is it true? Am I a danger to others? And so I sit with the question, and no, I am not a danger to others. Have I made mistakes? Absolutely. Have I said and done things that were hurtful to people? Yes, I have. Was it my intention to cause harm to these people in the past? No, I don't want to hurt anybody. Have I attempted to make amends when I discovered that what I said or did did cause someone harm? Yes. And then the words of my professor come to me again. How many positive ones are there? How many positive avows do I have in my hand right now? 35. How many negative avows do I have? One. Isn't it funny? I hear my professor say, we have 35 positive, encouraging comments, and you focus on the one negative. I'm always fascinated by how we do that as humans. And I remember that I have a choice on which do I wish to choose to direct my focus. Is there something I can learn from the negative comment? In this case, 
There was only one constructive comment the anonymous person gave. The rest was the person's opinion. The person had pointed out at the beginning of the presentation that I had said, we're going to talk about how to help cutters, rather than saying, we're going to discuss how to help people who engage in self-harming behaviors. In that moment, I had put a label on a population instead of recognizing their humanity, and I can see how that comment would be hurtful. I didn't realize I had made the comment until the evaluation pointed it out. But as I reflect over the, the presentation, I don't believe that I made that mistake again. And had I known who the person was who had written the evaluation, I would have apologized. I would have welcomed the dialogue to discuss what it was about my presentation that felt unsafe. Unfortunately, it wasn't possible to do that since it was anonymous and I didn't know who wrote it. What was possible, though? Well, I can apologize for making the comment now. I am sorry. It was wrong for me to have said it like that, and I have since really worked hard on not putting labels on people like that. Second, we can reach out to others to get our needs met and to help soothe the pain from attachment wounds so that we're in a better place to more objectively challenge the negative core beliefs. We can evaluate the evidence while we're asking just how true the core belief is. If there isn't any truth, then I can let it go. If there is some truth, then I can think upon that and ponder upon it and decide what I want to do with it. Most importantly, I can rewrite the negative core belief. I am not a danger to the mental health profession. I don't believe that I am. I believe that I am helpful and supportive. And this person had their own stuff coming up for them. I would love to have been able to discuss it with them, but I couldn't. And lastly, I can make the choice to find peace. I can work through the process of evaluating these triggers and looking at the negative core beliefs and changing them so I can get to a place of peace. And that's exactly what I ended up doing. So if you're, one of your wounds of rejection, abandonment is triggered, and these kind of things happen for you, you can do the same thing. You can walk through the process that's laid out in the Finding Peace workbook to help you be able to figure out, well, how true is this? Can I rewrite this? Are there some shadows of shame that are popping up that are impacting my ability to see clearly? And then I can work on that so I can let it go. If you'd like to learn more about how to find peace in your life, you can read the book Finding Peace, which is available on Amazon or any other online bookstore. You can sign up for the online Finding Peace course, which you can find at findingpeaceacademy.com. Or you can attend our upcoming Finding Peace retreat, which you can also learn more about by going to findingpeaceacademy.com. As part of the podcast, one of the things that I wanted to start doing was try to answer questions of listeners. So if you have a question that you'd like me to address, please feel free to submit it by emailing me. You can email me at troy at troyllove.com. Here's the question. I have a friend who is suffering from a lot of anxiety. They seem to be obsessed with worrying about not being good enough. It's overwhelming her and she can't seem to focus on anything other than the worry that she's not good enough and she's putting a ton of pressure on herself. What can I do? Well, number one, Devin, thank you so much for being willing to submit this question. It's, it's amazing that you were willing to do that. 
and I appreciate it. There's a couple things with this. Number one, there's not a whole lot that you personally can do to help her be able to change her negative core belief. Those That's a negative core belief that she's got tattooed on her heart that says, I'm not enough. And so once that negative core belief is, is on her heart, it becomes the filter by which she sees the world. She starts looking for evidence everywhere that says, here I am, here's another evidence that I'm not enough, here's another evidence that I'm not doing well, here's another evidence that I'm doing poorly. It becomes the filter by which she sees the world. And so in order to be able to fix that, in order to be able to change that, the first thing she has to identify is that she has this core belief, which... It sounds like she does because she says it all the time. She, in fact, she said it to you, so you can you already know that's what she's thinking. So what I found is that I actually write it down on a piece of paper. I am not enough. And then very similarly to what I just talked about in this podcast, I ask the question, is it true? Is this really true? Am I not enough? When I start to look at it a little bit more objectively, I want to add two words at the end of the sentence. I'm not enough for what? And then there's usually a blank. So then we start to fill in the blank. I'm not enough for love. I'm not enough for companionship. I'm not enough for friendship. So it's a little bit different than saying I'm not enough to or I'm not enough because. It's what am I not enough for? And in this case, I'm guessing that she's feeling like she's not enough for love. She's not enough because she feels like she can't support another person who is also struggling. So she feels like, I can't can't support that person very well, so I must not be not enough. But when we add that for what, I'm not enough for love? Well, is that true? No, that's not true. Actually, I am enough for love. I, I believe that my higher power loves me in this case. I know that this person believes in a higher power. So I'm not enough for love seems I can reject that and say, no, I am enough. Now, maybe I'm not good enough at doing this particular behavior, or maybe I need to strengthen myself on this particular thing. But does that mean I am not enough? No. So if I can recognize that I am enough for love, I'm enough for companionship, I'm enough for connection, then I can say, okay, well, that that helps calm that down a little bit. And then I can start looking at, well, are there things that I want to improve about my life? Of course there are things I want to improve about my life. If I can do that from a loving, compassionate point of view, that's I can actually do better at achieving those things than if I'm beating myself up and telling me that I'm not enough. When I go into that shame place, I'm not going to be as effective at being able to achieve the goals and the expectations that I have in my life. So that would be my first tip is just write it down. What is the negative core belief? And then ask, is it true? If it is, I'm not, I'm not enough or I'm not good enough, let's add the last two words to that sentence, for what, and then fill in the blank and then ask ourselves, is that true? I'd love to hear your comments. I'd love to find out if they felt like that was helpful for you. Or if you have another question, please submit it at Troy at TroyLLove.com. Again, if you want to learn more about the Finding Peace process, you can go to TroyLLove.com or you can also sign up for online classes or the retreat at FindingPeaceAcademy.com. You've been listening to the Finding Peace podcast. If we added value to your life, let us know or give us a rating. 
Before you go, subscribe to the show and get new episodes as soon as they are published. Thank you for spending part of your journey with us. And don't forget to grab your free copy of the Amazon best-selling book, The Art of Peace, by going to www.troyllove.com. Copyright Finding Peace Consulting.